so we're just praying that um, some positive um, things will happen in the future to help her.
folks come up with prayer concerns, and then we ask them to pray for us. I think that's who you mean. Dwayne and Eileen Whitey is their name. Dwayne, uh, I got a message from my phone. I couldn't make it out. Mine was written out and it was kind of jumbled up. And something about Pastor and Dwayne, and I wasn't sure who it was. Well, it's probably 
1970 years ago, roughly, because this is 65 AD, roughly. He's in jail when he's writing this, but he's writing to some specific needs, but he's writing some very comprehensive theology, uh, doctrinal theology. Doctrines are coming, flowing out of this man, no doubt inspired by God. So he is talking here with some conclusions in this chapter, and they're very daunting to parse out. And so I was, was talking earlier that we may want to regress and just take a look at some of this kind of like as an overview before we go into that second, therefore, which would be in chapter. Uh, second, maybe chapter eight, chapter end, and we are talking about the twelfth uh, verse of Romans six. That's right. Is it is it twelve? <laughs> um, but I'm not in the right place. Then in. In Romans 8, it's a conclusion to the first seven chapters. Seven didn't mention spirit, but twice. Eight mentions the spirit 21 times, or 23 times, out of something like 47 times in Romans. And so the intensity of the words and some when we try to listen carefully to what he's bringing out, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Justification. This is justification. And then you go down to thank you, 12, which says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Oh, really? I thought works was over. And but it is not to the sinful nature. We're not talking about following the law here. To live according to it, no. For if we live according to the sinful nature, nature you will die. But if by the Spirit, so the second therefore is in the Spirit. Okay. You are putting to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live we're talking about life versus death. We're talking about the physical nature of handling the sinful sin, capitalized, these, the personified authority of sin. We cannot contend with the devil and his power. Which, by the way, he has authority, authority over the earth period of time, I wonder if he has that now since Christ has risen from the earth. Um, but he apparently has dominion to some extent after the dominion was given to mankind. But when you think of this in, in kind of a perspective in a, in a full um, a full body situation, you find that there's a tug and pull. In, in the words. And so what I want to read
read this from verse 12 down to 18, just for a moment. And this, then, think, thinking along the lines of the Spirit. Therefore, I'm reading in the NIV. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the Spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, indeed, we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share His glory. Um, and again, backing up a little bit, um, we see that Paul has set forth the law. And just a little touch of it, the law was really covered in chapter 7. Uh, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. The law is diametrically opposed to man's mind in following it. Nor can it do so. Those controlled by the simple nature cannot please God. But it's interesting. Those controlled by the simple nature. It's in the same chapter as the therefore, but it's the first therefore he's talking about. There's no condemnation in Christ. We're not controlled. We have the eight baptisms and the Spirit. And baptism is a, is a public confession of faith. That's also when the Spirit came down on Jesus when he was baptized. He was given the Spirit. And the Father said, I'm well pleased in my Son. Because he fulfilled the law. He was not of any sinful nature. And by, by the way, he had the blood of the Father. Because a woman carrying the seed, as we heard, through all of the genealogy of the earth, come down to where he's fully human from the woman, but has none of her blood. Is none of the human blood say human blood because he's fully human, right? He is none because we think in our creation we know the man gives the blood to the baby. He's the one that gives the blood. The woman gives all of the nourishing things that allow life along with the blood from the father. And so each mom and dad each contribute different things to the this child and 
so the birth of Jesus was perfect. He was a man of God with us. He was perfect. And yet, in this chapter, this section we just read, the last part of it, I'll reiterate it. If indeed we share in his sufferings as well, in order that we may share in his glory also. So the suffering, it's interesting. He wasn't do the suffering. He wasn't do any of the stuff. The spirit is what he brought to us. That's salvation. And Paul's talking about the spirit. And it says, our spirit with his spirit. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. And that is verse 16. Uh, so we raise the glory in the protective spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, which is one, one God. And so we're co-heirs with Christ. So now, backing up to verse 12, you can do no works, right? But you're obligated. But you're obligated. This is just throwing me at pieces in terms of trying to find out what the answer to this is. What is this obligation? What must we do if we are obligated? Well, it kind of tells us, but it, it, it kind of goes around the corner a little bit about we, we can't do it from a sinful nature. But if by the Spirit, the Spirit then puts to death this old man, it's some kind. puts to death, and we are made alive. We are, because those who are led by the Spirit become sons of God. And it goes on to explain what sons of God are. Sons of God. What are sons of God? Psalm 82. Let me read a piece of that. Just uh, Genesis 6. But I like Psalm 82 because it kind of gives you a bit of an insight to when I open Psalm 82. It just gives a glimpse of, and you can also go to Job 1. Uh, God presides in the great assembly. So now this is up in the realm of heaven. He gives judgment among the gods, little g gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? If you drop down to verse 6 of 82, it says, I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. These are created sons of God. Like angels, but it differentiates. It doesn't say angel all the time. It doesn't say sons of God. We don't know. But then Paul says, um, led by the Spirit of God, those who are led, which is us, are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. Yeah, it did. You're a slave to a new master, Jesus. But you receive the spirit of sonship. Something's going on here. 
not a slave. You're co-heir. Something's going on here. Somebody can tell me this if they ever figure it out. Because this is a transition here that is just all over the map as far as the theologians go. But I think what this is saying is that once we are led by the Spirit and we are then in the sanctification process, that we are made sons of God. It brings us right down to the word Abba, which is Aramaic word for daddy. Father brings us right down to a personal relationship with God. Something has changed. And I don't profess to know what that changes, except it's in the sanctification process. And it's trying to point out the last word of this, this section of the eight is glory. This is glorification. He's heading towards glorification. Abel will understand it better in some further chapters. But this is a process by which we are going to be glorified. So I ask you this question. And this is what comes up real quick. When we walk through those pearly white doors, by the way, they're always open. And not a tool of man has made a mark on those pearls that are the doors to heaven. Not a single mark in the pearl that constitutes the door, 12 doors, I should say, of heaven of the city of God. We walk through there. What do you, what do you, just stop for a minute and think of what you're going to be like. What, what baggage are we going to drag in there from here? None. We can't. So what's the sanctification process mean? It means some very serious business. It scares me. And it scares a lot of people from trying to explain it. And they'll say that, well, there's some words in here like children and sons. What's a child and what is a son? So, it begins to point to other scriptures when it says that, um, let me see if I can bring this out exactly. Child is a small, justified Christian. Sons of God is in the middle of sanctification. Sons of God are those who are, because you are sons, his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out our father, Galatians 4, 6. The spirit who received does not make you slaves. Again, that's 8, 15. But in Mark, Jesus says, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Can you take this, basically, I'm asking the question, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is a point in time where it's all humanity comes out sweating drops of blood. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he is saying, Did you ever get human-wise as 
close to the door of heaven is, is that. Point the scripture out. Because the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Shifting gears here. Remember he said we were not slaves to sin. Again, the authority of sin. We were slaves to a new master. And that's Jesus. We're slaves to Jesus. And making us equal. He's, he's portraying the equality of being a brother of Christ. We have Christ's talents. For he is in us. Christians have the ability to change the world even though in time it will descend into chaos. That's going to be after we're gone, probably. I think. That's Matthew 24. I mean, in a nutshell, the whole first part of Matthew 24 explains that before that, though, before that, though, the kingdom of God will be built, growing to a large mountain. That's in Daniel. That goes back then. And the oil collected. What's the oil collected? And then the bride will be taken. So these verses. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. This is in Daniel 2.34. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Daniel 2.35. Then the iron the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken to pieces. All of these eras in time were broken to pieces and became like chaff, like powder on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving even a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain. This was Christ. We are in Christ. And this is the kingdom of God. And it grows and it fills the whole earth. And it leaves nothing to doubt here. Even Jesus says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Matthew 6, 17. I don't know what that means in this context, but the foolish ones took their lambs, didn't they? that did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil. It's the Holy Spirit, in a sense. In jars, along with their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The light of the world isn't flickering there. No, they replied, there may not be enough for us. And you instead, Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him and the bed at the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. So like the ark. So who's the bride? They drove out many demons and anointed many people with the oil and healed them. There's another reference to oil. But then the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. And it's 
full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It goes on to Revelation. Multiple times the bride is mentioned, more so in Revelation than any other chapter. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. So there's a point in time when this all changes. But it goes through back into Daniel and comes through forward to Revelation. And so we don't know when it ends. Um, and so, backing up a little bit, this obligation is that we remain in the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit, we learn how to hear the Spirit, we begin to be transformed by the Spirit. And so, the, the transformation changes us from a child to a son. The son is a mature child. And once the obligation to follow the Spirit is observed, the children of God become sons. Who now act responsible and become co-heirs with Christ. Verse 17, a spirit of sonship, the word poiosis um, means Placing a son, placing a son, most frequently it means that. And that translation translates to adoption, which Paul uses in Galatians and Ephesians. Galatians, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And so he is saying we're sons of God, God's children. Now we are children, then we our heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs, we become the children of the sons. We receive the sonship. This was a common practice back in the day of the Romans that adoption occurred. And so Paul was making clear uh, allusions or clear um, concepts through the church through this language. He predestined us for adoption to sonship to Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. That was Ephesians 1, 5, 1, 6 to the praise of his glorious grace which he has frequently given us in the one that's capitalized, one he loves. So this adoption gave privileges equal to the real son. And so they want to understand there is no difference between the Gentile who's adopted and the firstborn of God from Israel, and those sons, those that believe, obviously. Israel and the, and the Israel people were sons of, that was his his firstborn, as he says, Israel is my firstborn. So those sons were were equal with those who believe who were Gentile. There's no difference. So then he goes very quickly uh, to approach God. You no, know, his curtains are removed now. 
Don't go through the high priest of the church. Go directly. And now you are sitting there in the Aramaic word talking to your Heavenly Father. It's Amen. Again, only used in Mark, Galatians, and Romans. I've kind of read before. And so the, the story goes down to a point where um, he does a parable of the ten minas and Luke and it kind of it kind of ends in a story that kind of gives the flavor to this. so what are we supposed to do? What are we obligated to do? It all falls in this obligation and I think in the King James it says a little bit different, but the word means obligation in verse 12. This parable is as, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was not close to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So their mindset is they're expecting any time for the Messiah to rule. Luke 19.12 And he, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to see uh, himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. Occupy. That's the, that's the word. You're obligated to occupy. You are obligated to kingdom of God to occupy. Don't give up any foot. Not a, you face the enemy. Jesus and God has your back. You put on the armor of God and you face and you occupy and you hold that ground at all costs. We learn that in the continuance. We all have this obligation to occupy until it comes. What about the law and works? That is, that is, they turn this into works. They turn this into something you can do to get your salvation. And it's not right. We know that. We know that it's not right. The best answer is sometimes an analogy. Tony Evans gives one. Tony Evans, in the Strange Study Bible, said it this way. You got the wall. You got the gravity. Boom. You're going to fall out of the sky if you're an airplane. Right? The airplane following the law of gravity will fall out of the air and hit the ground and die. We know that. That's the law. That's just the law. But now there's another law called the aerodynamics law. Right? So if, if in aerodynamics the spirit is alive, you do not know where it comes from or where it's going, and you are thrusting the plane, and you have the lift all in operation. It no longer follows the law of 
Granted, it follows the law of aerodynamics. It's a new law. So he's saying the law of the Spirit is different than the law of the, the law. The Spirit, the law of grace, the law of Christ, and the Spirit has precedence, has power, has authority over the law. And that's what has happened here. We are in Christ. Therefore, the word is, we have this obligation. And therefore, we are not condemned by the law. Therefore, we are obligated. Obligated. Means we owe to follow the Spirit. That's it. We just owe, hey, we owed him before. Everything. We, we were in our sinful situation condemned. Now we are free. We are in Christ. We no longer are operating in the law of gravity to death. We are no longer operating in the law that we cannot possibly fulfill. Christ has fulfilled it for us. So now we're operating in the Spirit. We are operating. How do you when you walk through those pearly gates? And you're walking in there. You are spirit. You're not. You're, you're not got your glorified body yet. But you're in spirit, and your spirit is going to be in Christ. They're together, and so you're going to make. What's the evidence? The scary part is how do we know? <laughs> the scary part. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the questions now. How do you know? You know because you're here. You know because you want to know more about the Word of God. You know you don't any longer just want to shove this aside and forget it. You want to you want to kind of understand something. And you know it better than I. In many cases, you read this and you understand it because you read it. That's the point. And that's the point Paul's these you in the Spirit. You are following the Word of God, which is the Spirit of God, which has been God-breathed in every word. It's God-breathed. So you're following that. And guess what? What a wonderful thing it is we can. This, the more we dive into this, the more we don't understand it totally. But the more we understand that we didn't understand before, <laughs> it grows up. And somebody comes along and says something, like a small child, there is no Jesus, I'll never forget it. A little child says, have I got news for you? And that's where we're at, in that childlike thing. Have I got news for you? There is a Jesus, there is a God. It's so rational. Let me explain it to you. That's what Paul's doing here to the church at Rome. Hey, you were... Dead in your sins, but there's no condemnation. You're alive. Now act like it. You're obligated. Walk in the Spirit. Put away, put to death those things of the body. Those, those temptations. Yeah, you're going to be tempted. Put it to death. And as I said one time, I don't know if it came from me or look. When the devil knocks on the door, you open it. And he says, hey, you got some fun here for you. Uh, surely God didn't say that in the Bible. 
uh, hey, talk to him, I'm with him. And Jesus is right behind you. And you remain, you occupy your ground. The enemy will come through the front door. Because Christ is with you. So I'll stop there. I don't know what time it is. Um, we got five minutes for questions. <laughs> Anybody have any thoughts? Even thoughts. Any? When we follow the Holy Spirit, we're following Jesus. Right. That's what God that's what God means. Synonymous. Right. The spiritual part of man is it is so foreign to a lot of people like Richard Dawkins, who says he just came out of the dirt. I mean, there is no God. You know, and he said, well, where did mind come from? The mind didn't come out of the dirt. You're thinking and knowing that there is an eternity you didn't come out of a piece of dirt. You're thinking and understanding the moral truth didn't come out of a piece of rock. Doesn't come out of there. Where did it come from? It's not made up of material. It's made up of spirit. Dawkins is a very powerful Berkeley professor of biology that's been hanging on that for a long time. And just it's old news. So he's getting close to meeting the maker. And he knows better by now. both 
plants and animals and they they live together. The earth was an unwilling recipient of the fall of mankind. It was an unwilling recipient of the sin that crashed it. And it's been growing ever since. I don't know if it's spiritual or not. We'll let Jay run the lead as well now. <laughs> oh my, it's lining right up with Dr. McGee because all nature is growing. It's um, the, the, the wind. This is Dr. McGee going towards Romans 8 28 and so forth. Um, nature, if you go out in the woods, it's, ooh, it's a sad, sad song. And then, you know, um, decay and, and all this stuff and all, and, and the Creation Museum talking about the same thing, but everything's moving towards the end of what the Lord has got for us. And, and so we just, it's just so, um, it, you know, the fall just ruined everything. Right. And um, it's just um, decay and, and everything else, people going down, down, down. But but um, I get from this, this book, this hope, because Romans 8, 28, things are working out in my life but for the good, whether I don't see it or not, Lord, God's hand has been on my life for a long time. And, uh, I, and when I was in the seventh grade, I heard my name, the Lord called my name, and I heard it, and it was very clear. And then a teacher gave me a little something. I was just kind of seventh grade, just doing whatever I wanted to do with the teenagers or whatever. But anyway, she gave me a little um, paper and uh, it was a paper about me walking with the Lord. I, I, Mrs. Griffith was her name. It's a real profound. And so I was read all the way through it like the Lord and I took a walk, um, reminded me of in it when it was translated. And I was supposed to put my commitment down at the end of that whole thing. Well, I didn't commit my life to anything. I didn't sign anything. But I feel like I was called, had a special call right then. And I haven't, I've rebelled. I've been a rebellious somebody, but um, the Lord's brought me through a lot of things, and I just, I see this hand at work day by day by day. And then my niece Kara gave me a prayer shawl, and so I get the prayer shawl, I'm supposed to put it on my shoulder, but that's when I get it and read the Bible and, and have my time with the Lord, special time. But I'm like Dr. McGee, and he says he's not worthy to say Abba Father. He doesn't feel that he should, except when he was in the hospital, had cancer, and he told everybody to get out of the room, please get out of the room, just leave me by myself. And so he said, um, I'm here. I've um, cheered up everybody else in the hospital, but now I'm here. He just turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, please help me. And he called on our Father then. That was his special time with the Lord. He just knew everything was there. It was just a very moving part of his life. Well, we, we've all rebelled, uh, we've all, yeah. and that's a very powerful apologetics, they say, you know, um, and someone comes up to you and you don't go, yeah, 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 let me tell you a different way, um, they're not going to want to hear that, they're going to want to hear, um, I, I've been there, I know what it's like, it's scary, and I, I'll tell you what, uh, no different than you. 
component of the Bible. When does something more powerful than you come? Can we pray? You know, I heard the other day just one little say, statement that was pretty cool. Um, and I've said it a hundred times before, but I heard it again, brand new. He said that I care. I, 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 I care. What? Are you okay? Uh, a compassion. Um, you know, the most powerful words are uh, I love you. Sorry. These are the powerful words. They cut. I mean, if you're sincere, if you've got sincerity behind them, they're extra powerful. <laughs> if you're saying just the same, that's one thing, but if you really mean it, I'm sorry. Uh, can I help you? Yeah. They may not even know you. Can I give you a hug? Those are powerful, powerful things. You know, I haven't been turned down on a hug. For years, I'm going to turn out. And dudes don't like to be hugged. <laughs> don't like to be hugged. They stay away from me, you know. But they're just, just starving for hugs out there. They just are. Just you, you don't have to hug them like guys don't need to hug them like. Yeah, just give them a little hug. And it's huge. One arm hug. That's all we need. Or, or just uh, reach out. Or, yeah, you shake his hand. Shake the hand like that. When you're yeah. done, when you've got the mask on or whatever, but just hold the hand. Yeah, you might have to have a mask on. I forgot yeah. about that. Preacher Stalin, the first Baptist, the son of Christ, he used to say, holy kiss. Say what? A holy kiss. A holy kiss. A holy kiss. Yeah. yeah. That's still being done. At the Apostolic Christian Church, which I was raised in, the brothers kiss the brothers, and the sisters kiss the sisters every time they come to church. And they kiss them all. Unless they have a cold, then they, they'll say, nah. But that's true. And they do it because it says a holy kiss in the Bible. That's wonderful. But I'm not going to start that. <laughs> Somebody slapped me real hard. No, I mean, it's, it's okay. Customs are traditions are not as important as the spirit. The spirit can't Yeah? Well, that situation with Benjamin yesterday, and um, I really had to sit there think about was I going to approach him or not because he was busy and um, was he approachable and so I just um, the timing just came on me 